What's up, Wyoming knuckleheads? Go Be Wyoming is back today with another full-length interview with host of the Ramble Room podcast and candidate for Wyoming State House of Representatives, House District 29, Ken Pendergraf. Uh, just as a recap, our full-length interviews are where we get to have formal interviews with whoever our guest is. That could be a business leader, politician, uh, friend of the show. Uh, hopefully we have open, unbiased conversations and debates on important Wyoming issues and topics. Compare that to our roundtable episodes where it's multiple guests talking about a specific topic, usually very informal and on current events. And then lastly, uh, Gobi Wyoming is bringing back Give No Ground. It's time for young, courageous Wyoming citizens to have their voices heard on specific issues and help educate the next generation. If you haven't listened to it already, our first Give No Ground is on Wyoming energy and the energy series will be conducted uh, throughout this summer. Before we get to our interview with Ken, a shout out to one of our great sponsors. Without them, we would not be able to keep running the podcast. The Sheridan County Airport. Save time, fly local, fly Sheridan. Don't drive a couple hundred miles just to start off your next big trip. Catch a direct flight to Denver International uh, from Sheridan via United, operated by SkyWest Airlines. Book your next flight today at united.com. Again, like I said, this full-length interview is with Ken. Uh, we where we discuss uh, where he found his passion and motivation to run for local office back in 2020, uh, but it, it kind of had started earlier on. Um, we talk about what his top issues are and uh, what he thinks are the most important uh, for the state of Wyoming, as well as the current state right now of mainstream media nationally, and then as well as the quote-unquote mainstream media coverage in the state of Wyoming, particularly the disparity between reporting. Sometimes it is really bad. Um, he also gives a history lesson and overview of the group called Oath Keepers. If you listen to my interview with Representative Liz Cheney, she makes mentions of this group. And now, uh, of course, you're seeing uh, the mainstream media um, and I'll just say Democrats or liberals um, attacking the group. Um, so Ken gives a little uh, history lesson um, on that group. If you enjoy this interview, please like, share, and subscribe. Uh, please share it with your friends and family. Um, it's time to have open, honest, and respectful debates and conversations, especially in Wyoming. Um, and as Ken says in his interview, uh, you can still be virtuous and have good character and still listen and debate uh, with constituents or your neighbors, um, even if you completely 100% uh, disagree on everything with them. So hope you enjoy this interview with House District 29 candidate Ken Pendergraf. You rolling there? Yep. Awesome. All right. Welcome back, Wyoming knuckleheads. I'm sitting down in the Cross Creek Media Studio uh, with our guest today, Ken Pendergraf, um, who is a candidate for the Wyoming State House of Representatives, uh, House District 29 here in Sheridan County. Ken, thanks for letting me uh, in the studio. Uh, we've been in here before, but this is officially the first time uh, Gobi Wyo is using the studio. I think it's been kind of interesting to set up for doing an interview when I'm the interviewee. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'll make sure I'm asking the questions okay. and, get, and getting you to talk, you know, um, but um, this is great. You know, Ken and I have known each other for over a, when's that first time you and David came to that studio? About a, about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, but uh, you guys started the Ramble Room and uh, David started his, we all started about the same time and it was kind of one of those we finally got together, you know, uh, podcasts were still, um, uh, kind of a fringe thing, but, 
um, no, it's great to, uh, catch up with you and, and, uh, um, why I have Ken on is cause you know, we always have candidates on and, uh, talking about why you're running and what their platform is. And, um, Ken, this really started back in 2020, um, when you ran for 29, um, against then it was uh, representative Kenner. Correct. Um, but talk a little bit about what made you uh, get passionate about running back in 2020? <laughs> <laughs> that was about the time that the COVID thing was kicking off. And one of the first things we heard out of Cheyenne was we can't cut our way out of this. You know? mm. And I'm looking at it because I believe Wyoming's government is way too large to begin with. I'm looking at it. Here's an opportunity to actually do a little bit of cutting. You know, the, I, I think it was a year or two before that, Representative Jennings ran a bill to cut across the board, one-tenth of one percent of the whole budget. Right. Couldn't get it out of committee. Yeah. Uh, there is no appetite down there to cut. And then when I saw this, I thought it was an opportunity. Uh, Representative Kinner was very good at voting for tax increases. He did that a lot. He did, you know, that's fine if that's how you believe, but that isn't how I believe, so he wasn't representing me, nor had his predecessor, John Patton. And I had been thinking for several years that when I retire, I will just go ahead and do that. Well, things got a little bit intense and uh, Mark Jennings called me up one day and says, I need a favor from you. And he said, I need you to run. And we talked about it quite a bit and jumped in, kind of got off to a late start. Um, Mark's a good guy. He's very well known around here, mm -hmm. uh, pretty well liked. And the at that point, a three-term incumbent. So it was a tough road to hoe. But if if my numbers are correct, he spent about 40000 I spent about 10000 and he beat me by a couple of hundred points. Yep. I was listening to a, a lot of your shows, and uh, 216 votes, I think, was the number. I think that's accurate. And that's pretty That's pretty dang good for coming in super late. We felt, we felt real good about it. We're excited about this opportunity because between then and now, I've spent a lot of time working closely with the Freedom Caucus members all over the state and working closely with the, the Republican Party here. I've been to all the meetings and paying attention to what's on the mind of, of active Republicans. Yeah. And I think I'm squarely in the center of where they want me. Yeah. Well, and um, since you're talking about Mark, I was in his precinct, and I remember when he uh, used to live there, I should say. Um, I remember when he ran that bill to, hey, we need, you know, our spending is out of control, and this is pre-COVID, mm -hmm. and he's like, we need to do the one-tenth of one yeah. percent. What, it's not a big deal. No. <laughs> um, and uh, and I remember that got me interested, because I was like, why in the world did that not go through? Um, and we are going to talk about, like, K-12 and things like sure. that, because there are just some fascinating things on how the budget uh gets uh worked out here in the state um it, it looks like a rube goldberg contraption you know this bucket fills up and dumps over into these mm -hmm. two pails and then it gets siphoned off and yep. moved over here yeah and i think that's deliberate yes i think yeah especially the k-12 after talking with multiple people because mm -hmm. uh, that was fairly recent you know that was not in the original wyoming constitution uh, when the k-12 funding came through which is now uh it, it is now in the constitution as amended in there but um, or not? Well, the original Wyoming Constitution did leave education of Wyoming residents as as a mandate. Right. And I guess if I were around 120 years ago, I'd have questioned that. But mm -hmm. 
I didn't get a chance to talk about that. <laughs> you weren't around. I'm for old, that. but I ain't that old. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you know, uh, a big issue for you is uh, fiscal responsibility. Yes. Um, you know, um, I guess let's just get into these issues. I do want. Uh, we've got some other things I do want to ask you about because I think it is you've been around the meetings, and my listeners uh, would like to get answers on. Sure. Um, Anyways, it's the Oath Keepers in the convention. But Oh, thank you for asking that. Yeah. I look forward to that. Yes, yeah, because I think... Uh, You're, by the way, the first person in Sheridan in the news media that has ever bothered to mention that to me. <laughs> they just write whatever they want. Well, you know what's funny, Ken? I uh, I tell people about my show and who I'm going to have on and what we're going to talk about, and uh, a lot of them are... Uh... That's right. Um, a lot of them I told them about, hey, I'm going to have Ken on and we're going to talk and... Um, uh, one of my other guests I recently had was Cheney, and she also obviously is going after Oath Keepers. And a lot of people are like, "What is what is that?" Yeah, and it's pretty funny because it's like, hmm, uh, you've got the media and uh, probably the Cheney camp um, going after Oath Keepers when really moderate and and conservatives, that's not an issue to them. They don't know what Oath Keepers are and. Um, so it's pretty funny. I think it's one of those things where if they're coming after you and they're using that kind of stuff, it's like it's probably not true anything they're saying. So yeah, we're I want you to I want you to explain it and talk about it for my listeners just because I think it's sure. super fascinating that be glad to the media, just Wyoming media is going after that group, uh, an organization. So um, you know, we're talking about K twelve. Let's kind of keep diving into that because I think people don't realize it's a separate part of the general fund budget, which is interesting. Like you said, you've got these, these pails and then they get, yeah. keep getting filled. Um, what are your kind of thoughts just talking with people and, and diving deep into the K-12, um, you know, to solve that problem? Because K-12 is always a hot topic. People right away are going to attack and say, oh, you don't want to pay our teachers. But where do you, where do you see the waste in, our, in Wyoming's K-12 budget? Well, it's not in the classroom. The waste isn't in the classroom itself. We have good teachers. They know how to do their job. They're professionals, which is why I don't understand we need several, why we need several layers of bureaucracy over the top of that. Why do we have administrators and assistant administrators, et cetera, et cetera? Um, slightly different funding, but the same kind of thinking. Why do we have a $39 million school in Shoshone? Mm -hmm. It doesn't take $20,000 to educate a child. It doesn't take layer upon layer of bureaucrats and administrators to ride herd over professional teachers. I don't want to touch the classroom. I want to take care of, of the teachers. I want mm -hmm. to take care of what's happening there. But there's just a tremendous amount of waste. We spend huge portion of our budget on education and we don't get a good return on our investment. And I would like to see that fixed. Yeah. And I know plenty of teachers and I think it's sad, and I, I, I would encourage any of these teachers to get their voices out there because um, they see it, but they don't want to speak up in their school districts. They don't want to speak up against the union if they are in the teachers' union. Um, but they see that level of, of bureaucracy of the administrators, you know, uh, all the way up yeah. um, and all the things they have to deal with. And I think COVID uh, really amplified that, and now mm -hmm. they see, like, you know – Parents and everyone's not attacking the teachers. Um, they are just saying, hey, one, parents just want to be more involved in what's getting taught, which I think that's normal. And you talk to any teacher, they're like, that's fine. 
Sure. You know, we can always talk about what's getting taught in schools, but um, what you're talking about is, you know, why do we have, um, you know, not to take uh, personal shots at the school district here in Sheridan, but why are there three to four assistant principals and then, you know, a principal and then we've yeah. got assistant and different superintendents? Kind of a little ridiculous. If we have if we have good professional teachers, which we do, mm-hmm. they really don't need that much. You, you think back 100 years ago, the little one room schoolhouse. Yep. And how good an education Americans got in those days. My wife is a teacher as well. She is taught in private schools. And for a small slice of what was spent on public school children, they did a better job of educating their kids. And they had almost no administration. They had a board that looked over them and took took care of the finances and made sure everything ran well. But they knew their job. They did it well. Yep. Yeah. No, 100%. Um Anything else you want to add on K-12, Ken? Anything? I mean, I think that's the big one, you know, is, is just the spending and, and trying to get that I under think, control. I think trying to deregulate and pave the way for competition. Mm. Whenever you have a system that is top-heavy and inefficient and expensive, the biggest reason is they don't have adequate competition. And if we could inject some competition into there, allow different types of schools, different types of things to have a crack at this. Yeah. Um, I don't like the idea that the education money all gets filtered through the state or even through the feds. And then they benevolently hand out picking their winners and losers who gets what money out of that. I would rather that money was never collected in the first place. You know, say, what about a voucher system? How about just cut the taxes and let the parents, you have some of their own money to spend as they will. Right. So that's one. And another thing that recently happened was an attempt to build three different silos for money. Okay. So when instead of getting a block grant to a screw with to a school, a little Rush Limbaugh <laughs> just popped back out of my brain there, the schools. Anyway, in instead of giving them a block grant and then they get to decide we're gonna move a bunch of money that was intended for the classroom over to administration, over to athletics or whatever, then these silos were set up to say, this is the block grant that you're going to get for education. This is for administration. This is for other mm-hmm. things. And that got voted down. These school districts actually said, we'd rather take a cut than to face that kind of scrutiny. Yeah. And again, this is where, you know, those are the lobbyist groups saying that, not necessarily teachers or, Correct. you know, and that's that's where I encourage anybody listening that's an educator, you need to speak up and start yeah. voicing your opinion. Um because that's interesting. You know, mm-hmm. they're saying we'd rather take pay cuts versus, you know, find a different way to fund uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, education through the state. Um, no, that's well said. And uh, seeing it firsthand, it's, you know, K-12 is definitely top heavy and uh, not saying there's not good administrators, but it's just there's too many. Well, there's, sure. there's just too many. And, and we could pay our teachers more if we yeah. had that. So, um Awesome. Um, okay. This is always a big one, right? In Wyoming. Um, and you've talked about it uh, multiple times on your show and in David's show, but, uh, energy, the energy industries, um, you know, what are some ways that you would like to try and lead in the house, um, to protect Wyoming's, uh, uh, energy and mining industries? I think across the board, we need to be fair. Instead of giving subsidies, for example, to, alternative green injuries mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. man yeah <laughs> there's a lot of freudian slips coming out here uh, 
I don't like the idea of government picking winners and losers. Mm -hmm. I'm a very much a free market capitalist. And I think that the biggest thing that government can do for the energy industry is get the hell out of the way. It, people always come to me and say, what, what do you think the state government can do for this group or for that group or for that group? That's not their job. Yep. It, I don't, I, it, it seems so alien to a lot of people because they're so used to whatever issue we have, whatever societal ill that has, we got to have the government to go in and fix it. And the government is usually one of the biggest reasons it screwed up in the first place. Mm -hmm. if, if I have a mechanic that every time I'm taking my vehicle and it comes out and something else has fallen off of it or it costs way more than it was supposed to and still doesn't run right, I'm going to go to a different mechanic. I'm not yep. going to keep going and beating my head against a brick <laughs> wall and trying to get people to fix something that they're not capable of fixing. Yep. Yeah, so fairness, you know, I think dive into that a little bit. I think people don't understand, um, you know, one, the the uh, quote-unquote um, legacy industries we have, oil and gas and coal, um, they pay substantially larger and different mineral production and production taxes versus wind and solar. And like you mentioned, um, the state and the feds obviously hand out um, subsidies to wind and solar as well. So mm -hmm. talk about a little bit um, what you mean by fairness. You know, I think pretty obvious but i think describe that yeah for well i would get rid of <laughs> i would get rid of all subsidies to any industry if it were within my yes, power any industry yep. turn it back over to free capitalism um, wyoming is incredibly blessed with uranium gas and oil reserves coal reserves and not only massive coal reserves but excellent quality clean burning coal mm -hmm. there are all sorts of things that in a in a absolute free market we would be doing incredibly well but a lot of these problems are not necessarily just at the state level right about half of wyoming's land is federal land mm -hmm. and the regulations and all of the other things that are tied in with that you know there's a big deal about uh, leasing right now and the restrictions on leasing and all those other things are just cost prohibitive for these people to go out and invest so even though the Biden administration would like you to think that, you know, we've opened up these lands. The regulations and other restrictions that are on there have made them not particularly viable. So they're really not open. Right. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think, you know, a counter to any wind and solar person is with prices right now of oil and gas and coal. Why are you, you know, why are we not seeing any wind farms popping up and some solar farms popping up? So it's. Well, uh, there's, there are other things too, is, is we don't get the straight story on a lot of these things. Right. The wind industry itself will tell you that without government subsidies, there's no way that it would ever be solvent. It also depends incredibly heavily upon petroleum products to yep. be able to operate. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, there are all kinds of problems with disposal of the things that comes in also with solar. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is there's no free lunch. Yep. And I'm all for increasing green energy as long as there is, and I think Brent Bien says this as well, as long as there is some sort of capital that can be gained for that, it actually pays for itself. Right. But to go do something strictly because it's green and throw a whole bunch of money away makes no sense for me whatsoever. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we're leading into, you mentioned, uh, and also, uh, Sheridan, um, 
share tonight running uh, for governor, you know, do you see the governor's office taking a leadership role, you know, Brett being um, or anybody else, but um, how do you see working with it, the next governor? Um, how, how many people out there have heard of Ron DeSantis or Christy Nome? Mm-hmm. These are leader type governors who go out and set a direction and challenge their legislatures to follow that leadership. Governor Gordon, nice a guy as he may be, is no kind of a leader. He's, I guess he's the type, he must go out and wet his finger and stick it into the air each day and see which way the wind's blowing to decide what to do. Brent Bien, on the other hand, is knows exactly what he wants to do. And whether you agree with him or not, at least you know exactly where he's coming from. Yep. He's, he's not waffling and vacillating. Another problem I had with Governor Gordon's leadership is in Wyoming, we had one case of COVID and he immediately declared an emergency and locked everything down. That is not the Republican way. Mm-hmm. That's not a liberty-minded leader. That's tyrannical. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, like you're saying, talking about DeSantos and uh, Noam, I, you know, we were just talking about energy. Um, you've mo- mentioned most of the t- uh, a lot of times as well, like if we got out of the way, you know, the state government, um, now feds are a different story, but if we could try and limit as much as we can, um, we've got so many resources that well, we need to push back. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to take the lead. Like you're saying that, yep. you know, that would come from the governor's office. Um, but Wyoming could become the probably largest, uh, state of any, just energy in general, not necessarily one thing, but, um, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but people throw this around and it, it's probably very close to true that if Wyoming were completely independent, we'd be like the fifth largest economy in the, in the world. Yep. That, that's just how much we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, nuclear power itself, the amount of uranium in the gas hills could power the entire world for many hundreds of years, yep. is my understanding. And, and the remaining coal and oil and natural gas yeah. that we have too as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the PAW has um, an estimate that we... that just oil and gas in itself brings in about $5 billion in economic impact. Um, that's not even counting the taxes that they bring in. So, um, yeah, I, I bet you're probably right. Wyoming would be a top 10 it, economy. Yeah. It'd be a big deal. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, just got to get out of the way. Yeah. Um, you kind of mentioned, um, you know, governors, uh, but what other kind of characteristics would you like to see in our next governor? Um, I thought we were looking for somebody for the house. <laughs> no, I'm fine with that. We we need strong leadership. We need somebody who's decisive, who knows exactly where he wants to go. Somebody who is willing to direct his attorney general, which, by the way, the attorney general should be an elected office. It shouldn't be appointed by the governor. Mm-hmm. We need somebody that will direct that attorney general to push back, to back the federal, and it actually isn't a federal, if, if you start playing with words, federal is that we have 50 different states that right. are independent, and it's, it's a national government. He needs to go to the national government and insist that they back off and use the leverage that we have, which has not been done. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, no, um, yeah, sorry, we are interviewing you for the 29, <laughs> aren't we? No. Um, I'm okay, I... I I like talking about the the whole picture. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, kind of staying on that thread of business and, and capitalists, you know, um, you know, 
what are some other ideas that you've had um, or problems you've been seeing from the state level um, for business development or just um, careers, you know, career development for people in Wyoming itself? Wyoming is probably the most conservative population Mm. in the country. Very, very conservative people who want to be left alone, who want to be able to go out and do things their way in their time. And one would assume then that we would elect a legislature that was reflective of that. I have become incredibly aware over the last six years that that is not even close to the case. And we've discussed on other shows reasons why that is. Primarily people who go out and do things are busy doing things and not paying as close attention as perhaps they should be to what the other people are doing to them. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> well, what were some what were some other issues? I mean, you know, it was um, you know the budget, you know, spending and taxes. Yeah, and and just intervention and intrusion, cutting back on regulation. One of the things the Freedom Caucus is working on is before you introduce a new bill, you're going to introduce a repeal of three others. Mm. Think of all of the regulations that are on the books that nobody even knows are there. And it's just, it's a quagmire. Mm -hmm. And to be able to clear that back up so that people can move forward and do exactly what they want to do as efficiently as possible. Yes, we do need some regulation. We need some guidance, some protection for the the people at large. But it's just, it has grown into this behemoth quagmire that makes it very, very difficult to do anything on your own. Another major problem is governments like to put themselves in a position where they're picking winners and losers. And I'm going to use, and this is going to sound maybe a little bit off the wall, I don't think there should be such a thing as a liquor license. Mm. The government goes in and and says, okay, if if you can afford however many hundreds of thousands it costs to get a liquor license, then we're going to determine between the three or four applicants who gets that. Yeah. I would rather see that turned over to the free market, but that is just a a mirror of so many other things. I've I've been a small business person most of my life and I was never adequately funded. That makes it really hard to go out and do anything because those who are already established businesses have a tendency to press legislatures to make it more difficult for upstarts or others. Now, yeah. The other side of that, of course, is that it helps protect the public against grifters and those sorts of things. Sure. So there is, a, there is a balance. There is a balance, yeah. But the main thing that we need to do in Wyoming is cut back on the regulation, cut back on the size of the government, cut back on its intrusion into our lives, our everyday lives, and let us live the way that we're supposed to. If you want to bring a bill in Wyoming, I think the very first thing you need to do is cite book, chapter, verse, where in the Constitution you're authorized to do that activity. And if it's not there, you don't go there. Yep. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, I love that from the Freedom Caucus on, you know, we got to repeal some too, because, yes, you know, why keep adding things when it's, it's yeah. uh, you know... Make- you get in a position when there are so many things out there that you can't do anything without violating some law somewhere. Exactly. Which, which in turn then devalues and inflates law. Mm-hmm. And it makes it less meaningful because it's there are so many laws I can't possibly go do this without that, so I really don't care about any of them. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of an attitude is also wrong. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you said, there needs to be that balance. And 
Um, I do want to dive into, because here in Sheridan County, that was a big issue, the liquor license. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, um, you, you know, people are seeing the nonsense, you know, even though it's not, Wyoming's not at this, the level yet of some other states, but uh, when you have, uh, I believe it was eight businesses trying to get that one liquor license, it's kind of like, sure, they can, they can profit of it as they want, that it was a lottery and it's, you know, that's as fair as it can be. But, um, you know, most logical people are like, well, how about you just give eight different ones to eight yeah. businesses? If, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, how, that you it, win because you're getting eight, you're getting yeah. seven more. <laughs> people, people that are going to drink are going to drink. Yeah. Um, all that we're doing by that is as I said, picking winners and losers. Yep. And everybody also knows with them that if you have enough money, you can get what you want. Mm -hmm. You can grease this, get over here. You can get this over there. You can, you can make somebody an offer they can't refuse because who's going to give me, it's, it's kind of what happened to a lot of these little family ranches. I grew up around this area and there used to be family ranches for generations. Now the millionaires and billionaires are coming in, buying them out. And you really can't blame the initial landowners because somebody comes and offers you some ridiculous price yep. for that property. Fine. Take the money and run. Mm -hmm. And some people would point a finger at capitalism and say, well, that's the problem with capitalism is it allows some to become. No, that's the problem with crony capitalism. That's a problem with playing around and trying to regulate what yep. we shouldn't. Yeah. People are still going to act that way what your your example is that hey one the initial landowner hopefully knows their homework and you know and it's their property so they get to decide yeah. whatever they want to do with it but yeah, yeah. um no 100% um we interrupt this interview with Ken Pennegraff for one of our great sponsors Fine Sight and Sound Fine Sight and Sound are your Rocky Mountain audio and visual sensory experience experts they offer custom home systems they can help build custom home Wi-Fi networks as well as get personalized custom audio equipment. Go to their website at fssavpro.com and contact Aaron Perez for a free consultation. Now back to our interview with Ken Pennegraff. Well, what are the uh, state issues that are you uh, that you are running on mostly, Ken? You know, we've talked about kind of fiscal responsibility, um, you know, small government, Try and try and you're part of the Freedom Caucus, you know. So repeal three if you can uh, before entering a bill. Uh, what are your other big issues? I think we also need a little bit of integrity in our elections. There's a big hubbub in Wyoming right now because essentially we're a one party state, mm -hmm. and because we're a one party state, if you want to run for any office, you put the R after your name. And you go out there and you say whatever it is, you know, I'm a conservative, I believe this, I believe that, and you do whatever it is to get elected. Part of what I think of is election integrity is tell people who you are. You know, Mike, Mike Leon is one of the most liberal, if, if you want to use that word, um, uh, legislators in the state. Yep. I have a lot more respect for him because he comes straight at you and tells you exactly where he's coming from. It's these... I'm going to use the word snake that come out and they tell you, I'm a hundred percent this. I'm a hundred percent this. I'm a hundred percent this. They go down to Cheyenne and vote the other way around. And, and that is a lot of them. Yeah. I believe that if they would actually come out and run as Democrats and move the Democrat party to wherever they think it needs to position itself, that they would have better representation and they would be stronger. Mm -hmm. Instead, 
we have all of this confusion within the Republican Party, and I want to touch on that for just a second. Yep. We've heard a lot about, you know, the Laramie County delegates and the Toronto County delegates and this supposed big rift within the party. Um, that's what the press is telling you. Yep. If you look at the numbers of the actual votes, it's not a big rift. There are just a couple little factions in places, always the same group of people who are causing the same issues. The Republican Party in Wyoming, under the leadership of men like Frank Keithorn, is very strong. We are seeing a grassroots awakening of the conservative population that I talked about earlier that is getting more and more involved in committee men, committee women uh, positions, yep. getting more and more involved in everything that's going on. And that is what is exposing a lot of these rhinos and they don't like being exposed. And so that's, that's where the, the dissonance is coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what you're talking about, Ken, for anyone that doesn't know, we had the state convention here in Sheridan a couple of weeks ago. And of course, all the I'm going to call them the, the, the legacy industry media. So the newspapers and uh, you've got um, like Cowboy State Daily, things like that. Wild file. Um, there's a big, you know, uh, the state party did not recognize some of these um, delegates from these from these counties. Um, yeah, they broke their own their own rules. Yes. And the <laughs> you're going to have the rule that means they need to be followed and we don't just, yep. it's more of what I was talking about, inflation mm. of, of laws. Yep. Yeah. Why, you know, why would you not follow the law, you know, the rule, you know, and expect mm -hmm. us to follow the rule when you didn't follow the rule. Um, and, and I think you do hit on a big point. I, I agree with you. I think some of these people should just run as Democrats. You know, yeah. if, if you're a progressive, uh, you know, I, it's hard. You can't even keep, come up with, um, you know, progressive is kind of a bad word now. And yeah, liberal, all the words, liberals are <laughs> all the words are getting co-opted. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it would uh, it would definitely give more of a conversation and more of a debate when yeah. we know where you stand um, and why well, the different what the differences are. If you can be honest about it, and I don't have any problem with anybody holding a view different than I do. Mm -hmm. I just want you to be honest about it. Yep. And they might find out if they were honest about it, they might be a lot more persuasive than if they go around trying to pretend that they're something that they're not. Yep. And you're going to see that in this House district race right now, I'm predicting. Um, you're going to have other candidates besides myself stand up and say, this is what I am. And we know by the people that they've run through for years, we know by who's contributing to their campaigns. That's not true. Yeah. Yep. And it's, um, I want to go back to um, your point of, this confusion in these, the media outlets, uh, mm. you know, uh, I would say, I, I hate to say disinformation, but it, it, it kind of is. And, um, I can't remember where I've heard this before, but you guys have mentioned this on your show too, that if you are getting, uh, slandered, um, or, uh, you're, um, causing a rift, uh, that means you're doing a good job. And that tells yeah. you, that tells you where they stand. Um, especially, you know, talking about the, uh, the convention, you know, and I think, um, oh, the awakening. That's where I'm leading with this. Um, I think you're 100% right. I think there are conservatives now that are paying attention, um, and they actually do not pay attention to the traditional media sites, you know, uh, because they know they can tell yeah. they're lying. They can tell that they're not telling the truth. They're, they're so flagrantly unbalanced. Yep. If you watch the Sheridan Press here, just on the articles about the House District 29 race, 
I have been maligned countless times. Not once has anybody from the Sheridan Press or Sheridan Media called me and asked for comment. They just print whatever they want to print. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else comes along and they get a quarter page front at, you know. Yep. Um, look at this. <laughs> you, you turn on turn on the radio and all you hear about is one side of the conversation. There's there's no curiosity. You mentioned Oath Keepers, and this is probably yes. a good time to bring yes. that up. Yeah, please explain that for anyone uh, out there. Yeah. Right after Katrina, and people will remember that one of the first things that happened in New Orleans is first responders went around and began collecting weapons from private individuals. That's alarming to me. It's just an excuse to try to go out and, and take weapons. Right. There were a lot of other things that, that happened, but there is this, during an emergency, that's when you need to be able to protect, protect yourself. And yet their answer is always, we're going to protect all of society and we're going to gather up all the guns. Well, they can't do that. Yeah. There are a number of other things that came into play there. But I was disturbed by that. And and this is what two two thousand five or two thousand six somewhere in there. Okay, I can I don't remember when Katrina happened precisely, but over the next couple of years, I began to hear about and was actually recruited by some people. Stuart Rhodes was among them, who started an organization called Oath Keepers, and what they said was these are ex-military people, which I am. I'm a combat veteran and ex-police and others that took the oath to support and defend the Constitution. And there are 10 things that they put out and said, we're promised that we'll never gather people up and move into concentration camp. People say, oh, that's dumb. That would never happen in America. Yeah. How about uh, Stone, no, what's the mountain? Uh, Heart Mountain. Heart Mountain, yeah. yes. Heart Mountain during World War II. They round up a whole bunch of Asian Americans and put them under there. It has happened, and we wanted to make sure it didn't happen again. Yes, so then there were a few of us, Boone Tidwell down in Buffalo. We kind of communicated a little bit. And bear in mind, this was years ago. And we pretty quickly determined that nothing really was going to happen in Wyoming. And Taylor Haynes was involved in that. Um, not Frank Ethorn, by the way. <laughs> and he's the one being accused yes. of, of being a ringleader. Yep. He's also accused of being at the riot on January 6th in Washington. No, he was in Washington. He was at the Trump rally. He didn't go anywhere near the Capitol. Yes. But that's not the line that we're being fed. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, 12, 15 years passed. Hadn't really thought about Oath Keepers and all that. And then suddenly... All of a sudden. Yeah, here comes this quote-unquote whistleblower. And Frank Ethorn, myself, Boone Tidwell, Taylor Haynes are mentioned in an article in Wildfile. To be fair, the person that wrote that did call me and ask for comment at that time, and I refused to comment because it's file and it doesn't matter. They've already got it written. They're just waiting for you to say something they can twist. Yep. So I didn't respond to them. Well, that got picked up by the Wyoming Tribune Eagle, the Casper Star Tribune, the Sheridan Press, virtually all of the papers ran the thing. Not one person from any of those other news outlets has ever once called me and asked for a statement or a comment. So every time my name has been mentioned in the Sheridan Press recently, it's been associated with, uh, I'm supposedly this anti-government militia wacko. Yep. Um, White supremacist, you yeah, know, paramilitary and, and group. all of that. Yeah. And it's, it's not at all the truth. It's, it would be funny if it wasn't just so evil in yeah. my mind. If, if, I'm, if I'm working for the Sheridan Press, for example, 
and I happen to have a particular bent, and I hear about this supposed right-wing wacko, I want to contact him. I have a certain amount of curiosity. I want to know what this guy's about. Yeah. And yeah. if I can prove it, I'm going to get him to say something, and I'm going to hang him. But they don't even demonstrate that curiosity. Mm -hmm. It's just crickets. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, this proves, you know, um, this is the first time I ever heard of Oath Keepers. And I'm like, that's interesting. Um, just mentioned in those articles. And then, of course, I'm listening to your shows and I'm getting all that information. So that's why I wanted you to share because yeah. I've talked to many of my listeners and they're like, Oath Keepers, what is that? One that shows they're not reading uh, all these articles. That's number one. Um, and then two, you know, it's obviously they're not believing the lie of, oh, there's this Oath Keepers uh, white supremacist <laughs> paramilitary group in Wyoming, uh, which is totally not true and not what the group stands for anyway. So when this thing blew up, I went back into some old files and I pulled out the old membership card. I was actually a charter member of the organization when they first started. Nice. And I, I paid dues for one year and let it go and haven't gone back. But I'm going to read real quick the 10 things that the Oath Keepers promise. Yeah, please. And you yeah. stop me when you hear something that sounds a little bit offensive or sounds like right, crazy yeah. wackos, okay? <laughs> we will not obey orders to disarm the American people. We will not obey orders to conduct warrantless searches of the American people. We will not obey orders to detain American citizens as unlawful enemy combatants or subject them to any military tribunal. We will not obey orders to impose martial law or a state of emergency on a state. We will not obey orders to invade and subjugate any state that asserts its sovereignty. We will not obey any order to blockade American cities, thus turning them into giant concentration camps. Think back to Katrina. We will not obey any order to force American citizens into any form of detention camps under any pretext. We will not obey orders to assist or support the use of any foreign troops on U.S. soil against the American people to keep the peace or to maintain control. We will not obey any orders to confiscate the property of American people, including food and other essential supplies. We will not obey orders which infringe on the right of the people to free speech, to peaceably assemble, and to petition their government for a redress of grievances. I think... Those are ideals. I was going to say, you say that uh, if you would have read those uh, before uh, 2019, 2020, I think everyone would have been um, on board with that. Um, and uh, it's very weird that, well, it's not weird. I think we know why they're attacking the Oath Keepers is because of those values and those uh, ideals that are withhold with the members because we are seeing... Um, seeing this across the world for COVID with the excuse of COVID. Yeah. We're seeing an erosion of our sovereignty. Mm -hmm. It happened just the last couple of weeks with Biden trying to cede a portion of our sovereignty to the WHO. Um, eventually enough people are going to get pretty upset that something's probably going to happen. Yep. Um, I would like to see this handled peacefully, obviously. any, any I'm an old soldier and any soldier doesn't want to see war doesn't want to see it come to that. Yep. They try to paint us as being these little warmongers <laughs> running around in camo and face paint. I, I wear a camouflage ball cap all the time, but that's just so people can't see what I'm thinking. Yep. Right. <laughs> well, and it's, is, uh, you know, the reason why you started your show, the reason why David started his show. And one of the reasons why I started my show is, is 
one to have conversation. You know, if you and I disagreed on something, we can have that out and we can we can sure. talk about it. And um, you know, and and that needs to happen more. And Wyoming is, I think, the leader in the state right now that can do that. Um, and um, you know, tell these to share an unbiased. You know, you've not been able to share that with anybody in the Wyoming media on what the ten things the Oath Keepers yeah. are supposed to protect and. In the world we live in right now, I think most people would agree, like, yeah, we, you know, we want to protect free speech. You know, I don't want people coming in and taking my property. Um, I don't want to be put into, um, you know, quarantine zones is what yeah. they're going to use. They're going to change yeah. it around, right? Not concentration camps, but we're going to quarantine zones um, like we've seen in other countries that they've done uh, that also don't protect the Second Amendment, which is your guns, which you were mentioning in Katrina. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's. Yeah, I think it's important. I think we need to. It is, and it yeah. sounds it sounds a little far fetched, but when you actually look at what is being done and the way that all of our rights from the Bill of Rights are being curtailed, you know, I always grew up believing someday there was it was going to become like this, and I always thought it was going to be an oppressive government that was doing it, but it turns out to be a whole bunch of government protected private businesses and a, a cabal you know i'm not i'm not a particularly a conspiracy theorist but man it sure it's, looks like there's something going on well it's a suppression yes it's, it's different it's suppression right there yep. uh, like you mentioned you know they make it confusing and they dilute the law and 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 you know it is happening uh i wouldn't say at what it's happening at the federal level but it is happening you know, at the state level. Well, look at the federal level. Under the Department of Homeland Security, now we have what we affectionately call the Ministry of Truth. Yes. You can speak, but if you say something that falls away from the party line, well, where have we heard that before? Mm -hmm. That's directly out of Soviet Union and other yep. communist parties. Yeah. You guys, uh, your last guest, we were talking off air. You Charlie know, Cole. Charlie Cole, yeah. Um, I'm also rereading 1984. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah. And, man, I'm like... This is wild because we are living this right now, and yep. I think some people don't understand that. But, um, well, Ken, we've almost hit about 45 minutes an hour. Um, I appreciate you letting me come in and, and uh, steal the studio for a little bit. Um, <laughs> where can people um, – so anyone that is in House District 29 or really just in the state of Wyoming, if they want to talk to you and yeah. ask you your thoughts on other issues, I think we kind of hit them all. I mean, small government, you know, fiscally responsible. We need to cut the budget. Um, free market. Um, oh, um, you know, I'm, we didn't talk about um, uh, Medicaid expansion, if you wanted to cover that at all. I mean... Yeah, I, I've got a little thing I would like to read here. This yes. is one of the planks from the Republican oh, party, yes, party platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liberty is indivisible from economic freedom. The free market economy is the economic system most compatible with the requirements of personal freedom and constitutional government. Government's undue interference in the market as well as the fiscal irresponsibility of government results in economic inequity. There exists no fundamental right to the fruits of another person's labor. In, the, in light of that plank alone, and all the others, are, they are they're interwoven, I would be adamantly opposed to Medicaid expansion. Yeah. All that you're doing is taking a, a business that the government has already screwed up and allowing them to screw it up farther. But if you could if you could prove to me, for example, that this was economically feasible, it was economically viable, it would actually be a boon to Wyoming or whatnot, I would still be opposed. 
And the reason I'm opposed is I understand the idea that in order to be free, you must also be responsible. Yes. And if you cede your liberty, you also... I said that wrong. If if you cede the responsibility for something, for example, your own health care, now you're no longer free. You're under the, the yep. direction of, of those powers that be. Mm-hmm. It is intrinsically backward to the conservative way in thinking. And yet, look how many quote-unquote Republicans will stand up and say, we need Medicaid expansion. Baloney. Yep. Yeah, and what you're talking about is is personal ownership, you know, whether that's in your your yep. health and wellness, you know, uh, business, you know, economic, you know, we want the government out of it so that way you make your own decisions and you've got your own ownership and responsibility. If, if you take away the right to fail, you take away the right to succeed. Yes. It actually works both ways. So people say, oh, Ken, you just don't care about folks that are that don't have enough money. No, 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 no. I have spent much of my life as a pastor. There are all kinds of benevolent things that we have done through the churches and other organizations yep. that take care and fill the gaps. If all these tax dollars weren't being siphoned off of the public, I think we'd be much more capable and much more efficient at handling these types of issues on a local basis. Yep. Yeah, you know, capitalism is is the only system that elevates the bottom. You know, there's always going to be a bottom, but like you said, there's still that opportunity yep. to succeed. Um, no, that's well said. Um, anything else I missed, Ken? I think we hit on all your top things. <laughs> uh, if, if you want to, if you want to be able to find out more about yes. me, the the website that I'm using currently is is called CrossCreekMedia.com, and there are links to my podcast there, which is called The Ramble Room. There are links to David Iverson's Cowboy State Politics, which is an excellent resource. Both of us do a lot of interviews with a lot of campaigns. There's another link on there to your uh, GoBYO page. Yep. Um, and then there's also another tab on there, if you look around, that just talks about conservative candidates. And we're that's currently being built. You know, people are still now filing. Yes, and, yeah. And plenty once of time, we have, yeah. Yeah, once we have a coalition... <laughs> of good conservative candidates. We're going to put information there, which gives you a place to go see, okay, who else is running in different areas of the state? What are they running for? How can I get information about them? So yeah, it's, it's a clearinghouse. It's a place to get information out about conservatives because the main lamestream media here in Wyoming is not going to do it. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, the awakening that you've talked about is people listening are going to be engaged. They're going to go look. Um, and then I would also second, I know Ken is very available. He's approachable. He's, um, he's, he's, uh, you're open to debate and conversation, yeah. Ken, um, respectable debate and conversation. I should say, don't be calling him and just yell and scream at him. <laughs> I had somebody the other day and I think it's okay to see who it was. It was, it was the Reverend Sheila Nysmith and she is a leader in the LGBTQ community here Mm -hmm. and through some business dealings we've been working with each other quite a bit over the last couple of years and we've become friends we agree on almost nothing politically (laughs) but she came up out of the blue and she said hey you know if you ever need anybody to just vouch for your character i would be glad to do that and i think that is evidence of what you're talking about i i'm not necessarily open-minded I'm kind of old. I'm kind of crotchety. I've kind of figured most things out on the the basics, and this is what I think. 
but I'll listen. Mm-hmm. I want to know what people are concerned about, and I want to know what they're thinking. You know, if I could, if I could talk to each person, I would rather spend more time listening than speaking. Yep, and I think that's what makes uh, for a good representative is you know, you, you've got to hold to your values and that's important, but also you got to hear your constituents and hear how they're thinking, how they come about things and exactly what you're talking about. And that's, uh, um, that's the type of, uh, type of candidate Ken is. So, um, like, yeah, like you said, if, if, uh, if you want to call him up and talk to him, he's open to it. And, um, yeah, there's ways to communicate with me through that website, yep. crosscreekmedia.com. And I would also, since I've interviewed many candidates, I will say if a candidate isn't open to speaking with you, that is a big red flag, and that tells you everything you need to know um, about their platform and about their yeah. character. So, um, Ken, well, I really appreciate the time. Uh, we've been trying to set this up for a long time, but <laughs> um, I'm glad. Uh, Life I'm, gets in the way. Yes, no, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I'm able to have you on our Go Be Wild show, and um, you know, and 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 I highly recommend the Ramble Room and Cowboy State Politics if you're looking for um, information and news and kind of a different take uh, versus some of the other Wyoming media. So, uh, Ken, we'll ca- uh, thanks for joining, and we'll catch everyone next time. Absolutely, you're welcome anytime.